So we are in the middle of our series called Vital Signs, which is a series on the Ten Commandments. Uh, in light of our ever-changing culture, we want to ground ourselves in God's Word. One of our directives is biblical obedience. Uh, scripture is the primary lens we use to determine how we live. Uh, in medicine, vital signs are indicators of essential body functions, things like pulse, blood pressure, temperature, respiratory rate. These are life-sustaining functions. And we want to remind ourselves of biblical right and, and wrong that can tell us how we are doing in following Jesus. And a great place to start is the Ten Commandments. Uh, we consider them vital to following Jesus. And to be clear, uh, we are saved by grace, not works. Obeying the Ten Commandments is not grounds for salvation. Yet, Jesus affirmed the Ten Commandments. Jesus lived by them. And he calls us to do the same. Uh, thus, using the Ten Commandments as vital signs can indicate what's influencing us more, God's Word or our culture. Uh, you can find the Ten Commandments in two places in the Old Testament, Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. For this series, we've been taking them from Exodus 20. Uh, this morning, we're looking at the Fourth Commandment, and so the scripture for this morning is Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, and Exodus 16, verses 23 to 30. And you can go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. Exodus is the second book in the Bible, or you can look it up on your phones. Exodus 20, it gives the fourth commandment with an explanation. And Exodus 16 is a story about the Israelites failing to follow this command when it comes to collecting manna in the desert. Our scripture reader for this morning is Tyrell Borquin. Tyrell, please make your way on up to the podium. And those of you who are able, please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, we read from the center of the room to remind us that Scripture is to be uh, central in our lives. It is our primary lens for determining how we live. And uh, we stand because we believe this is the Word of God. And so, Tyrell, whenever you are ready, please read from Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 to 11, and Exodus 16, verses 23 to 30. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Terrell, thank you very much. You may be seated. 
About a month before our oldest child graduated from high school, my wife and I were watching TV. Actually, we were listening to the TV while playing on our phones. And this commercial came on the TV. And we really weren't <clears throat> paying attention to it at first. It was a commercial for the state of Idaho. And it was a commercial about all the stuff that you can do with your family in Idaho. You can go fishing and hiking and biking and all the different sites that you can see with your family in Idaho. And it's a great way, the commercial said, to spend time with your children. And then the commercial ended with these words. Because you only have 18 summers. Meaning that after 18 summers, your kids are no longer kids. And our son was graduating. And our 18 summers with him were over. And my wife and I kind of freaked out. You only have 18 summers. We were out of summers. We had our 18 with him. And so we started talking. Did we make the most of them? You know, and we had a lot of great times as our kids were growing up, but we immediately felt regret because we could have done more. We could have done more. Yeah, we did a lot together over the years. But there was more that could have been done. You know, there were times that we were just so busy as a family, we didn't take time to breathe. I mean, we didn't have enough time just to be together as a family. And this sense of we could have done more, we could have done more, it's true in life, regardless of what you're talking about. There is always this sense that we haven't done enough. We could have done more. We could have done more. The Sabbath command is different from the other nine commandments in the sense that the other commands are in regards to our relationship to God or our relationship to others. You know, the commands of you shall have no other gods or don't misuse the name of the Lord, those are about respecting God. The commands do not murder, do not steal, those are commands about respecting others. Well, this is a command to rest. Resting isn't something done necessarily out of respect to God. Resting isn't necessarily something done out of respect to others. Resting, at least on the surface, is for the benefit of us. Now, resting is necessary for our relationship with God and others. But before we take a deeper dive looking into that, let's just look at the surface of the command. Stop working. Find time to breathe. Fight against that sense that we could have done more. We could have done more. There's more we can do. Finding time to breathe. The first thing to point out about finding time to breathe is that this command is addressed to the Israelites who were just delivered out of Egypt. And what were the Israelites in Egypt? They were slaves. Slaves. It's one of the first things that happens in the book of Exodus. A new pharaoh comes to power who didn't know about Joseph. And he sees all these Israelites growing in number. And in Pharaoh's eyes, they were becoming too numerous. And so in order to keep them in check, he makes them slaves. As it says in Exodus 1 verse 14, they made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor. The Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. Now, some people wonder when they wonder about the slave as Israel's, Israelites being slaves in Egypt, 
They wonder, did the Israelites, when they were slaves, help build the great pyramids of Giza? And the answer to that is no, they did not. And we know this for two reasons. One, the pyramids of Giza were built easily a thousand years before the Israelites ever got there. And two, the passage says that the Israelites worked in brick and mortar. The pyramids of Giza were made from cut stone, not bricks. Bricks were used for all kinds of structures in Egypt, though. Walls of all kinds were made out of bricks. You know, like palace walls. Palace walls were made out of bricks. One palace for one pharaoh would require around a million and a half bricks. Now, most pharaohs had more than one palace. <laughs> so the need for bricks was never-ending. And the Israelites made brick after brick after brick, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. There were no days off. There were no weekends. They were slaves. It was forced labor. And they never got to enjoy the fruits of their labor. They never got to see the inside of a palace where many of their bricks ended up. They never saw their finished work. They just kept making bricks. And when Moses first approached Pharaoh, he wasn't asking Pharaoh to let the Israelites go away forever. That's not the original request, if you go back and look in the story. Moses' original request to Pharaoh was to take a three-day journey into the desert. It was like asking for a long weekend. And Pharaoh scoffed at that. Pharaoh wouldn't even give them a weekend. And then, just to add insult to injury, Pharaoh's response to the request to take a couple days off was to make the Israelites gather their own straw to make bricks. He was providing straw for them to make bricks, but after Moses makes his request, he says, you know something, you guys are just being lazy. You can get your own straw from now on, and the number of bricks that you are expected to make each day does not change. They were forced to keep making bricks. They were slaves. After rescuing them, God comes to these slaves and he tells them, take a day off. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. You will take a day off. Now, we would expect this command to slaves to take a day off would be met with open arms. God is commanding us to take a day off? Praise the Lord. We get to have a day off. But that's not how it went. Taking a day off was a struggle. Going back to the passage in Exodus 16, verse 23, where it says, he said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil and save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded. And it did not stink or get maggots in it. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather it. But on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will not be any. Now, this happens, this is Exodus 16. 
The Ten Commandments happens in Exodus 20. So this happens before the formal Ten Commandments are given, but this is the first appearance of the command to rest on the Sabbath. Collect the food you need for the Sabbath the day before because you will not be doing any work on the Sabbath. And even though we would think that they would rejoice at the command, they really struggled with it. Continuing in verse 27, nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather it, but they found none. And then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. They were slaves in Egypt for hundreds of years. They were slaves. Their parents were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves. Their great-grandparents were slaves. Their great-great-grandparents were slaves. Slavery was all they knew. It was embedded in them. It was their way of life. And it was not going to be easy to stop them from being slaves. And that's why God didn't suggest to them that they should stop working. God commanded them to stop working because God didn't want them acting like slaves anymore. Now look, we are not slaves. But our culture still has this drive to work, work, work until we believe that we are only as valuable as what we can produce or accomplish. Now, a qualifier. Work is important. The Bible does say if a man will not work, he will not eat. Work matters. But it easily gets out of hand more than anything else. Our identities are tied to our work. Hey, what do you do for a living? Is a way of asking, who are you? And how much we work is tied to our self-esteem. And we will brag about how much we work. And we love to say things like, oh yeah, I'm a workaholic, which is a way of attempting to sound humble when we're actually bragging. You know, I work all the time. I'm way too busy. I got lots to do. And then, like the Israelites, we seldom have time to enjoy the fruits of our labor. We make bricks, and we never get to see the palace because we just keep working. And we move on to the next project. And again, this is the value of our culture. But rather than judge the culture, let's just ask ourselves, how much does the culture impact us? As it says in 1 Corinthians 5, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. We're not called to judge the culture. We're called to be set apart from it. Our culture values us for what we can accomplish or produce. Are we any different? And I confess, I'm not that much different. Again, work is important. Laziness is not a godly value. But this drive to always keep working, keep working, keep working is not from God. God commands us, take a day off. 
And we really struggle with it. We act just like the culture, and we just keep working. And this command to rest on the Sabbath, we actually come up with religious reasons of why we don't have to keep it. We call it legalism. We shouldn't follow that command. Obeying the Sabbath, that's Old Testament legalism. It isn't legalism to take a forced day off. It's called sanity. We are not slaves. One thing we often miss with this command is that God is the first one who rested on the Sabbath. God set the standard for the Sabbath. We are commanded to rest on the Sabbath because God rested on the Sabbath. Going back to the command in Exodus 20, beginning in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Going back to the creation story in Genesis, if you're familiar with it from Genesis chapter 1, God created for six days, and then he rested on the seventh day. And because God rested on the seventh day, he blessed it and made it holy. Now, God didn't make any of the days that he created really cool stuff holy. God blessed the day that he rested. The all-powerful God rested. Doesn't that statement seem strange to you? The all-powerful God rested? What's wrong with that statement? Think about it. The all-powerful God rested? Why would an all-powerful God have to rest? Did God get tired? Did he need to take a break? No, the all-powerful God doesn't get tired. So why rest? Well, there's a clue for why God rested in the Genesis passage itself. Going back to Genesis 1, verse 31, where it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Do you see the clue? <laughs> you're like, Chuck, I don't have no idea what you're talking about. What clue? For six days, God created. Now, if you go back and look at the creation story, and you look at the first two days, the first two days, God creates, and there's no commentary about his creation. However, at the end of day three, it says, God saw that it was good. And it says that at the end of day four and the end of day five that God saw that it was good. Now, at the end of the sixth day, God doesn't say or doesn't see that his creation was good. It says God saw the creation was very good. It was on the sixth day that God created humanity. 
And he saw that it was very good. So he stopped creating. And the reason why God stopped creating was to enjoy his very good creation. Artists, we have artists in the room. Whether you paint or draw or you do pottery or you quilt or whatever it is you do, at some point, you need to stop tinkering with your project. And you need to call it good and enjoy your painting, your drawing, your pottery, or your quilt. Cooks, at some point, you need to stop cooking, call it good, and sit down and eat (laughs) and enjoy the food you have prepared. If you have a garden or a flower bed or you like to work in the yard, at some point, you just have to stop and sit back and enjoy it. It's the nature of why we create anything in the first place. We create something to enjoy it. But if you want to enjoy the thing you have created, you must stop. Stop working. And just relate to or enjoy that good thing you've created, that you've been working on. The all-powerful God stopped creating to relate to his creation. And the moment God stops tinkering and starts relating, stops and simply enjoys the very good creation that he has made, God calls that day blessed. And God basically says, you know something? Everybody should do this. All of you. This is a good thing. Parents, I know (laughs) that we must always be ready to help our kids, and it really doesn't matter how old our kids are. But there are moments when we must stop parenting. Stop parenting and enjoy our children. Even if it's just for a few moments. Quit trying to make your kids better. Just stop it. Enjoy them for who they are. All of my kids have taken up golf. And my wife also likes to golf. So when I go golfing with my family, and I have to be intentional, because if I'm not intentional, I'm going to slip up. But when I go golfing with my family, I intentionally do not try to help them with their golf game. Now, I don't have a lot of great advice for them anyway, but the point is, I'm not going to try to help them with their golf game. I will just encourage them with the occasional, hey, nice shot. And enjoy the fact that I'm golfing with my wife and my kids and my son-in-law and any boyfriends or girlfriends that come along. I'm not going to go golfing with my kids to work on my kids. I'm going to go golf with my kids to enjoy spending time with them. There are moments when we just need to stop, stop parenting and enjoy our children. Parents, when was the last time you did that? The Israelites made brick after brick after brick and they never got to enjoy the things they made. They never got to see the palace. 
The purpose of the Sabbath is to force us to stop working and start relating. It does not come natural to us. We must be forced to do it. And God set the standard. Now that's great, but how do we rest like God rested? Well, I have some suggestions. Some suggestions. First of all, it is important to keep things in perspective. Sabbath keeping is not meant to be a burden. Rather, it was meant to force us to stop so we can enjoy the fruits of our creation. Now, more than once, Jesus got into debates about the Sabbath because Jesus wasn't keeping it like the religious leaders thought he should be keeping it. And Jesus said this about the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. We keep the Sabbath because it gives us life, not so we can have another burden to carry. Now, following Sabbath principles will be difficult because we are wired to keep going and never stop. And it will take discipline and effort. It must be intentional. Now, when it comes to what day, what day should we make the Sabbath day? Well, the Sabbath day that Jesus kept was Saturday. And the Sabbath day Christianity is kept as Sunday. It's not so much which day you pick as the Sabbath day, but pick a day and make it the same day of the week every week. And you need to have it the same day of the week every week so that you have a rhythm to it. Six days, off, six days on, one day off. Six days on, one day off. You can't be switching the days every week has to be intentional because if we don't create the space to rest, we won't do it. Back in May, my wife, son, and I went on an Israel study trip. We were in the country for about 10 days. And again, as Ryan mentioned his prayer, be praying for peace in that country with the violence that has erupted there. But about halfway through our trip, our leader made us take a Sabbath day where we didn't go anywhere or learn anything. And we stayed at the resort and did nothing. Now, it did help that we were staying on the Sea of Galilee. So hanging out there for a day was still pretty enriching. But it was amazing how much that day benefited the whole trip. I've done four of these study trips uh, to the Middle East. And this one was the best um, in large part because of this Sabbath day we were made to take. And our leader, Brad Gray, gave us some Sabbath suggestions to take home. And I'll share some of those with you. And so I'm still in the process of creating a Sabbath day for myself. Been working on it all summer. Still have a long way to go, but I'm going in the right direction, which is all I'm challenging you to do. Create some Sabbath space in your life. Now, I'm going to give you some suggestions of how to do it, but doing it is not a suggestion from God. It is a command from God. We are not slaves. First of all, avoid doing what has to be done. Laundry or weeding or gardening or housework or cooking or dishes or working or exhausting outings or your kids' activities or chores or errands. As much as possible, don't use that day of rest as a day of catch-up. <laughs> the Israelites gathered twice the amount of food the day before the Sabbath so they wouldn't have to collect any on the Sabbath. Get what has to be done 
get that done on a different day. Because if we use our Sabbath day as a catch-up day, well, we're missing the whole point. Second, do that which gives life. You know, how can you deepen your connection to God? Or who are some people you can deepen relationships with? Or what are some things that you can do to enjoy the fruits of your labor? You know, connect with God. Now, I just want to clarify, this is not a, hey, we're all too busy message. This is a making space for what matters message. It drives me a little crazy when people say they're too busy and they have to cut things out of their life. And what do they cut out of their life and out of their schedule? Church, church stuff. Well, that's backwards. Faith is one of the things that matters most. We need to connect with God and each other to build our faith. So go to church or read the Bible or listen to worship music or read a Bible story to your kids or watch The Chosen or pray or go to a Bible study. Anything to help you connect to God. Because cutting God or church out of our schedule because of business, that is not a Sabbath practice. Connect with God. Connect with family and friends. This is one of the things that I feel like I really need to improve on is staying connected to people I care about. It's one area where I could do better. But if you want to try to connect with family, you know, if you're married, have a date night. Or as a family, watch a movie or play games or go for a walk or go golfing or go biking or do something fun as a family that won't leave you exhausted at the end of the day. Or if you want to connect with friends, go out together, watch a football game together, play cornhole, just sit around and talk. Whatever you like to do to connect with friends. And then do things that bring you joy. Like, what do you really like doing? Now, be careful to not do work because the work gives you a sense of accomplishment and you like the sense of accomplishment. No, 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 no. What is some stuff you just like to do? Even if it accomplishes nothing, but you like to do it. I like taking my dogs for walks or playing games. Again, I've mentioned golfing like 17 times, uh, watching sports, walking the canyon trail, sitting on a deck at elevation. Or maybe we just need to literally rest. Someone once told me, you know what the most spiritual thing you can do sometimes? Take a nap. If nothing else, get more sleep. On your Sabbath day, if that's all you accomplish, good for you. The Sabbath was made for us. Don't make it a burden. We do need to take God's command to rest seriously. So create some space for a Sabbath day of rest and enjoy the fruit of your work. We believe that Jesus died for our sins and Jesus rose from the dead. And that actually happened so that we could have a relationship with God. And because that actually happened, it changes everything. God rested from his work because he wanted a relationship with us. And the last thing that Jesus said on the cross was, it is finished. Meaning, the work is done. The barrier between God and us is gone. Jesus took it away so that we could relate to God, which is all God has ever wanted from us. God wants to enjoy a relationship with us 
God wants us to enjoy a relationship with him, for us to enjoy who God is and what God has done. And if we're doing that, we're going to connect with friends and family because the second greatest commandment is to love our neighbor as ourselves. But in order to do all of that, we need to create some space. We are not slaves. What is one thing that you could do to create Sabbath space in your life? Please pray with me. And Lord, we are grateful that in all of your glory and majesty and power and awe, Lord, that as you were creating the universe, that you took time and you decided to stop so that you could relate to us and enjoy us. Lord, I would ask that you would help us do the same. To give us the perseverance and wisdom to create space in our, in our lives to enjoy the fruits of our labor. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. And receive God's blessing. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.